Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you ever thought to yourself that you'd like to read a whole book of the Bible, but it takes too long and you don't have time, and some of these things you might have said to yourself, you get to give yourself a gold star today because you've just read a whole book of the Bible in the letter to Philemon, which is a book that has one chapter and it was just proclaimed, so you get to say now, you read a whole book of the Bible today and it wasn't that hard and it didn't take too long, uh, so you can pick another book uh, tomorrow. That's a fun fact for today. We're not going to be talking about that this morning. What we are going to look at is the connection between what we heard proclaimed in the Old Testament and what we heard in the Gospel. And the New Testament sounds fairly, or the Old Testament lesson sounds fairly simple. Uh, this is what I have set before you. Uh, pick life or pick death. What's your choice? And then go and just follow all the commandments. And I say it sounds fairly simple because if it was that easy, why is there the rest of the Bible? It doesn't just say, and then everybody just followed all the commandments and lived happily ever after. The end. We know that that's not true. And so we have to see then, all right, well, it sounds so simple, and if we had to raise our hand, well, who picks life and who picks death? Raise your hand. We would all choose, but then we know by about 2.30 this afternoon, we know that we haven't kept it all and that we can't. And that's clearly the message of the gospel that Jesus came to bring is that uh, it's not about just doing more right things because we can never do it perfectly for all eternity. So why don't we just take that off the table and recognize our need for God in our life. Recognize the need for the work of Jesus on our behalf and stop living in this cycle of trying to just perfectly do everything at all times and that's how God will be pleased with us because the rest of the story doesn't unfold that way and God is still pleased with his people and if you read this book you think why does he bother to put up with us time and time again there's more than enough evidence where he could have said well we've given enough chances this is clearly a failed project let's get out of this business altogether but that's not the story of the Bible the story is God loves his people desires to be with us and again and again and again provides a way for us and that leads into the work that Jesus is doing in the gospel where he comes to do perfectly what we could never do and now when we hear this message of the gospel, which is certainly 
jarring to all of our ears, I would think, that, well, whoever comes to me and doesn't hate their father and their mother and their wife and their children and their brothers and their sisters, well, you can't be my disciple unless you hate this one, you got to hate that one. And this is where, you know, just one more example where if, you're, if the way that you interpret Scripture is in a strict, literalist kind of way, you run into problems like this text. Because I don't know how you could square this statement with the rest of the scriptural narrative. And so, if you're going to read it strictly literally, then you have to try to be able to figure out these things that don't go together. If you don't have to read it strictly literally, then you say, all right, well, clearly Jesus is using hyperbole here to get to a point and to grab people's attention. It's not a command of God to go and hate your family. Even though that's what the text says, right? If you just pluck the text out, that's what the words say. But you have to think, well, how does that line up with everything else? How does that line up with who God says he is? And if we recognize that it's hyperbole to make a point and get our attention, then we read the text differently. Then as we go through this, what we start to see is the call by Christ to take up our cross and to follow Him. Well, first of all, the cross is not something that people take up so willingly, right? That's the instrument of death. Nobody says, oh, today's a great day to die. Let's take up that instrument of death and go for it. Right? But the cross is laid upon us based on our commitment of our life to Christ. And the cross was laid upon Christ as a result of his commitment to the mission that he was sent to do through the work that the Father has called him to. And so he endured that because of his mission, not looking at it, not seeking it out, the instrument of death. And it's the same way for us that Jesus is saying, when you say yes to me, there there is a natural cause to that saying yes. And what the hyperbole is meant to grasp our attention is that Jesus is saying about family, same thing about possessions as the gospel ends, right? Well, none of you can be my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. Well, everybody is wearing clothes here this morning. Does that make us not disciples? Right? We, we, have, we possess the clothes we're wearing. Every one of us drove in a car. So does that make us not a disciple? That can't be what Jesus means, right? Or countless millions of disciples around the world by a strict literalist reading of the text would no longer be a disciple if you own one thing. Can that be what he means? One would think not, or what do we do about 2,000 years of followers of Christ? What he is saying is, what are your priorities? What are the things that you have set as a higher priority than me? That is the question that Jesus is asking. And that when we follow Christ, what's supposed to happen is Jesus is Lord. That means first and above all else. And in light of that relationship, then 
we live within our families and our workplaces. And then we steward our possessions in a very different way in light of that relationship. It all flows down from our relationship with Jesus. And then, because of our relationship with Jesus, we're willing to have the cross laid upon us and the cost of following him if that's the case. Because that's first and foremost. And so that changes the whole tone of the text. That changes the takeaway. Because the takeaway message is nothing can be before Jesus. It doesn't mean go and hate your family. But Jesus is still first. And then the love of Jesus in our relationship informs every other interaction. Every encounter we have with our family, our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, it's all informed by our relationship with Jesus. Then our possessions don't possess us and control us, but they're part of a life lived in response to God. That shapes the way we steward the things that we have far differently than them controlling us and being first and foremost. So as we gather today then, we give thanks to God for the life that's available in Jesus. That freedom and new life is not just about go and do these things perfectly. Because nobody seems to have been able to do that. So if that was the prescription to relationship with God, we're all in trouble. But we're here to give thanks that that's not the case. That God gave of himself freely so that we could live, so that we could be in relationship with Him. And then everything in our life should put God first and everything else flows out of that. Because if God is love and God loves us, then in turn we should love our family and love our co-workers and love our neighbors and everything flows out of that. So I hope this shows us not only who God is, but texts like this are, are a great example of how we go about reading the Bible. Because we've talked about the challenges. If you read it just, well, what does the words literally say, you get some problems. But when we say, well, what is God saying to us? That's a whole different, a whole different message. And God just asks that we recognize what God has done for us and that nothing stands between us and Christ and that everything else in our life flows out of that relationship. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the freedom that we have in and through Jesus Christ. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal to us anything in our lives that we've placed before Christ, that those areas might be reordered so that Jesus might be first, and that our whole life would be lived to his honor and to his glory. And we make this prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.